Rachel, thank you so much for coming on, on the show. And I wanted to start out asking you like, like moms in particular, how mm-hmm. many, what percentage of your practice do you think are, are mothers versus other folks? I had no idea the like breadth of people who actually have pelvic floor issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's funny because I get asked a lot about different percentages from patients and just people all the time. So I really should have like a <laughs> um, <laughs> calculation out of people of people. It's hard because, you know, I'd say half of my patients are women. And I'd say, you know, a good portion of them are moms or have had babies. Um, can I, it's hard for me to say, like, if all of them are coming in as a result of having babies, but I'd say, you know, um, it's a good percentage of women who have been pregnant and had children. Um, but I think, yeah, it usually surprises people the, how many actually are younger um, or the percentage of people I see that haven't had kids. So I'd say it's probably, you know, just to be, make it easy, I'd say it's probably like 50, 50 yeah. um, um, women who've been pregnant and had children um, versus women who haven't had kids, be it that they just decided not to, or couldn't, or they, um, you know, or they're younger and there's there, it's just not on the agenda yet. So it's, it's definitely really across, I see everyone across the board. So, um, I really should start keeping better track, um, and have, <laughs> like, have some good statistics, uh, or numbers, but yeah, I'd say it's pretty, it's, um, yeah, it's pro- I'll say like 50, 50. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is there, are there different problems you see in the different groups or are women coming in with um, like pretty much the same stuff? Yes and no. Again, it's kind of, it's all, yeah, I'll say yes and no. So a lot of the patients that we're seeing tend to be coming in with things like pelvic pain and that could be anything from urinary urgency, frequency, mm-hmm pain with urination, um, or pain with sex or just like vaginal pain, um, super pubic pain. And, you know, so I definitely see women who haven't had kids or have, um, have never been pregnant and they have those symptoms. I might see a woman who's had a kid and she has those same symptoms. Um, I'd say the thing that I see a lot of in women after they've given birth is definitely, you know, like see, um, pain, like at their C-section scar, mm. or if they had tearing during a vaginal delivery, which is very common, they're having pain with sex now, or now they're having um, urinary incontinence, or um, fecal incontinence, um, or they just feel like everything's still really unstable, because even though, um, you know, they have the baby, and now they're like, I feel like I should be back to normal, but I don't feel normal yet. Um, so they're coming in because they just feel like they aren't quote unquote themselves. Um, so I'd say like, there's some things that I see more often in women who have had, um, who have delivered babies. Um, but overall I'd say the, like having pelvic floor just dysfunction is not like, is something that can happen to anyone at any time. 
um, which sounds very ominous, but, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get into, to like the reign of, reign of terror. Mm, yeah, <laughs> but, um, I, I'm not sure. I hope that kind of answers the question. Yeah. Um, if, if, you know, there, so there can be differences. Um, but at the same time, I definitely see a lot of women who've never given birth, who have symptoms that tend to be associated with, you know, being postpartum or being pregnant, um, incontinence is kind of the big one, but even things like a diastasis recti, which is, um, a separation in the abdomen, um, which is very much associated with, um, postpartum. Um, yeah. I see that, in, I see that in men sometimes I see it in women who again, have never had children. I see it in children even sometimes. So, you know, it's definitely more common in, the postpartum population, but it can happen to anyone. Yeah. Do you, do you feel like you're seeing like a good cross section of, of what problems people are actually having? Or, you know, I think we touched on this a little earlier, but are are you getting the sense that like moms are coming in later at a different, different time? um, Mm -hmm. Or you're seeing people who have, been dealing with problems for, for a long time and kind of ignoring them? Yeah, I'd say the latter for sure. Um, I feel like in general, I do see a good cross section, um, of patients. So I see a lot of different people with, um, you know, throughout, like I said, throughout the lifespan, but I will say, I do feel like I don't see as many postpartum women because you know, I think it's hard. I think kind of, we talked about a little bit earlier, um, how it's hard to take care of yourself. I think once you've had a baby, um, and I think it's overwhelming. I mean, I see a lot of women who've just had children, uh, where it's their first, um, their first baby. And they're like, I did not know how hard this was going to be. And so I think it, I don't think people fully know the challenge of having a child and how it really is like, in my opinion, like 17 full-time jobs that you take on (laughs) as soon as you become a mom. And that's why I'm not a mom yet because I just think it's so, you know, it's so much that you take on. And I think it's really amazing that, um, you know, so many people are moms because you basically are taking on so many new roles and it can be really overwhelming. So usually, you know, this new baby is going to be basically taking a lot of your energy and a lot of your time. So I think there's a lot of people who I should be seeing, but I don't because their focus is now on another person. Um, and that takes a lot of energy. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely, I, um, I feel like I was incredibly lucky that, uh, I had, I was really lucky that I had terrible sciatica before mm. when I was pregnant. Um, mm. But it was kind of like a blessing in disguise because my my physical, my non-pelvic physical therapist was like, hey, you know, before you go into the hospital, book out an appointment uh, mm. and gave a reference to y'all's practice mm-hmm. um, so that it was on the books and in the calendar. And I felt like I, I needed to go. Yeah. Uh, Cause otherwise it's just madness, you know, you're not sleeping and mm-hmm. somebody like, and, and my kid definitely screamed through the <laughs> entire first mm-hmm. appointment. Um, and Nicole was really very lovely about it. Huh. Um, but it's like, everything's working against you. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think it's really challenging. You're sleep deprived. Um, again, you know, your body is different and you still have just an insane amount of hormones circulating. Um, and yeah, I just think it's a lot. And so I don't blame people for not coming in until later. I definitely see a lot of women who they're like, Oh, I wish I'd come in like five, 10, even, you know, 20 years ago. I wish I'd known about this. They're like, it was just so hard. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I think it, you know, you do what you can do. And, you know, when people do end up coming in, even if they're like, Oh, I should have been here sooner. I'm like, well, you're here now. And that's what matters. Um, yeah. So I think I definitely see people coming in later and I just think it has to do with time and energy and what you have the bandwidth for. Um, unfortunately I do know there's some people who just like don't end up finding out that this is an option until later. Um, which hopefully, you know, doing things like this, like these kinds of podcasts and that's why we try to, you know, really get out there and spread the word. So hopefully we can make sure people know there are these resources sooner rather than later. Um, but I definitely think a big portion of it is just the fact that having a baby is a lot of work and takes a lot of energy. Um, and you know, so many, especially in the Bay area, so many women go back to work. So that's like an added thing that they have to think about. And if they're doing daycare or childcare, that's another expense. So, um, it's definitely hard. Yeah. I, so it's definitely like, it's, it's hard to get out there, but they're even among the women I know who do have access to, mm-hmm. to le- extra leave and, and support, um, and could, you know, could physically make it and could afford for to come. I think, mm-hmm. you know, people aren't aware and don't really think of it. Like there's a sense of that, the problems that you're treating are, are kind of a normal effect mm-hmm. of having children. Like, Oh yeah, of course you're going to, going to pee every 15 minutes for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Like you have a child. It's funny now. Good times. Yeah. Um, why do you think there's like, how did that get so normalized? Oh, that's a great question. I wish I knew. I mean, we could break down, you know, it'd probably be like a really awesome, like sociology class or something. Or, um, that <laughs> the history of do. peeing every five minutes. Yeah. Like the history <laughs> of how these like kind of women's health issues became normalized um, would be a really, you know, interesting class that um, I'm sure someone has researched and would be able to answer this a lot um, more eloquently than I can. Um, I'm sure some of it has to do with the media, just, you know, like TV shows just kind of made it funny. Like, oh, you become older and you're going to need a diaper. Like after you've had a baby, this is what happens. Um, So, you know, maybe that's some of it. And I think the big thing that I always talk about with patients is this difference between norm, something being normal and something being common. and. So I think that's kind of where that line got blurred. So it's definitely very common for, you know, to have increased urinary frequency or urgency or to leak when you sneeze or feel unstable. All of that's common. And I definitely 
always try to tell my patients, like what you're telling me, that's totally something I hear all the time. But I think the problem is, is that common then kind of became, oh, well, that's normal. And when people think something's normal, then they're like, well, there's nothing I can do. So I'm just going to be like this. And kind of it becomes an accepted um, thing that has happened. Um, So I think that is kind of what how I would describe it is there's a lot of this height, like, you know, even with my patients who um, have pain with sex and maybe they've had pain with sex forever. That's something that comes up a lot. They're like, Oh, well, I just thought that was normal. And yeah. it's like, no, it's not normal. It's definitely common. Um, I see so many women who have pain with sex and that's a common complaint, but it shouldn't be a normal part of life. That's so, think, Yeah. And it's so such I think a- that's how I describe it. Yeah. And it's such a, it's such a catch 22 of like, you don't want to make people feel marginalized or Mm -hmm. crazy or terrible because they have this problem, but you also don't want them to feel like that's, you know, the, Mm -hmm. their fate forever. Right. Exactly. And that's why I think, you know, I always try to, when, you know, all people always ask me like, well, is this normal? I'm like, no, you know, it's common. Um, And the reason I say, say that is because that means there's something we can do to change it. And so it shouldn't have to be your day-to-day um, experience. Um, yeah. So I think that's a, that's the best way to describe it. I guess I'd, I've been seeing more coverage of, uh, of pelvic floor issues and like it's popping up more and more in kind of mainstream media that I've seen because it is following this theme that's popping up again more and more of like maternal health being ignored and Mm -hmm. women's health in general not getting the attention it should and like women suffering unnecessarily Mm -hmm. um, which is awesome and I think is really positive Mm -hmm. one thing I really like about um your the coverage that your practice has posted Mm -hmm. and and um, y'all are fantastic and have this great blog and then have, you know, you have Instagram and podcasts and everything. And it makes it feel kind of approachable and, mm-hmm. and like something that you can have some, some control over. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I've noticed in other coverage is there's like in the, in the very understandable and honorable motive to get people kind of activated and concerned about the Mm -hmm. medical industry in general and and Mm -hmm. how these problems are not being paid attention to. One of the messages that can come across is like, you are screwed. If you do Kegels, (laughs) you're screwed. If you don't do Kegels, you're screwed. You're going to die like this. Like get to a public floor specialist. Mm -hmm. P.S. You probably can't if you live in Idaho and you're going (laughs) to like, you're going to die alone. Like, (laughs) it's just like, it feels really kind of panicky. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you know, it's true that for a lot of women, they, they don't have probably access mm-hmm. either for financial reasons or be based on where they live um, to a p- pelvic floor therapist. So I'm, I'm wondering if you had any thoughts on like, are those women really just up a Creek or is there some way that like they can start to take some control if they're facing things like like 
incontinence or or pelvic pain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's funny. I feel like as a society, we just love scare tactics and, <laughs> and yeah. getting, you know scaring people, making everyone feel like we're gonna, you know, that, that something bad's gonna happen and that we're all doomed. Um, it's yeah, a very interesting kind of Greek play we seem to. <laughs> Um, but no, so I think there's a lot of information out there and I definitely think some of it's really great information. Some of it's not so great. So there's a lot of mixed information and that also instigate, like instills fear in people. So my recommendation, so first answer the, the question. No, I don't think they're, you know, screwed. I think there's hope for everyone. If they're willing, you know, if they're taking the step to try to figure out answers and solve something, you know, that's the first step, as corny as that sounds. So I would say be mindful of if you're on the internet and you're trying to find answers, be mindful of what, where you're getting your information from. Um, if you're able to go to kind of um, different medical groups um, or professional associations, that's probably better than, say, you know, something like, a chat room or a forum that's run, you know, if you don't know who's running it, that can definitely be problematic. So if you're looking at something that's run by, you know, a medical journal or a medical group, and you know, it's probably most likely based on good um, peer reviewed evidence, um, that'd be where I would start. So places like the International Pelvic Pain Society, um, you know, I'm trying to think of the, of some other ones like interstitial cystitis has a really good group, you know, so if you're looking, just make sure, be mindful of where you're getting your information. And a lot of, a lot of these professionals on these websites have different resources. Like you said, we have our blog, a lot of people have written books and those are available on these websites. And that has a lot of good information. There's definitely I don't know all of them, so that's why I don't want to list all of the different apps and gadgets that are out there that can definitely be um, helpful. And I mean, a lot of practices like us, we, you know, if you call us, we will help you try to find someone in your area and kind of help you navigate and determine if there is someone nearby that you could talk to um, or see and kind of help you find resources that might be useful. So I definitely think there's a lot of options. Um, You just kind of have to be mindful of where you're looking and, you know, be willing to kind of dig a little, I guess, and make some calls basically because, yeah, if you're somewhere, I don't even know a place, but, you know, somewhere that doesn't have the most access or if there are financial limitations, um, you'd be surprised at the ability to find resources. So what are some of the misconceptions you've seen most frequently pop up uh, in articles? You know, if you're looking, if you're reading uh, (laughs) instead of like a a medical journal, if you're say looking at Cosmo, Mm -hmm. um, what are the things you see that just make you want to like smack your forehead and like tear your hair out? It's funny because I just wrote a blog post about this um, for our clinics blog. The one of the big ones I'd, I'd say that I see across the board is the recommendation to do Kegels and not so much that people should or shouldn't be doing Kegels, 
but there's always something in there that's like, you can do Kegels all the time. I'm doing them right now. You can do them while you're driving a car. You can do them while you're doing your laundry. And, you know, eventually maybe you could get to that point, but I don't know about you, but Kegels for me are very hard. Like, and this is what I do for a living and I can barely do a Kegel. (laughs) So, you know, I just, like that always kind of grinds my gears because I'm like, Kegels are a lot harder than they seem. And most people do them incorrectly and they tend to just be squeezing their butt or holding their breath. So that's probably the, one of the big misconceptions I see is this idea that one, if there's any problem in that has to do with the vagina, the immediate recommendation is Kegels and kind of going off of that, then it's this idea that like, well, Kegels are really easy and you can do them all the time, 24 seven. You need to like tighten your vagina as much as possible. So I'd say that's kind of the, the one I see a lot of. And again, definitely, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying like, oh, if you're doing Kegels, you're screwed. Or if you're not doing them, you're screwed. Because there is a time and a place for them. And that's why there's people like me who determine if it's appropriate or not. But I think it's just interesting that it gets thrown out so much like it's this like easy peasy exercise when in fact it's not. Um, Or, you know, it's definitely challenging to engage these little tiny muscles that we can't see and we don't really think about too much until there's a problem. So I'd say that's the that's probably the biggest one that I see a lot. And then, yeah, just this idea that, oh, if you've had a baby or if you're over a certain age, like you're probably leaking and that's just how it is. And you should just get like a poi, you know, all the poise, underwear, garments. Oh, yeah. And there's just all these ads. And I think it's great that there's this, again, advocacy to make people be more aware that this is a problem. But then I see a lot of things where it's like, well, this is just how it has to be. So I'm just going to wear this forever. It's kind of like, eh, yeah. like, it doesn't necessarily have to be the case. Like you can do things. And, and it like, and, and what's the dynamic when, mm-hmm. when it's in like a large company's financial interest to advertise right. the boys underwear, but not right. in anyone's like large financial interest mm-hmm. to advertise that you don't have to, live like that. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So I'd say that those are kind of some of the the bigger ones. Um, I I have some greatest hits that I wanted to ask ask you about. The the depressed vagina. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm like, that's been a big (laughs) one recently. I like that one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I'm sorry to say I do not like that one. (laughs) Um, um, Yeah. I mean, I totally understand where the misconception has come from because antidepressants can be used to treat pain, especially vulvodynia, um, which is vulvodynia just basically means pain in the vulva. And that's how these patients present is pain in the vulva and the vaginal opening and the clitoris, what have you. Um, so, you know, you can use antidepressants to treat this condition So therefore, you know, I could see why someone might say like, oh, that means your vagina is depressed. Ha ha. But yeah, it's kind of spiraled out of control into, I've seen so many articles talking about like, and if you don't have enough sex, that's that's what causes your vagina to be depressed. And it's just like, yeah, it's just so (laughs) funny and sad that 
that has that is kind of like the thing people came up with as like oh well if your vagina is depressed obviously it must be because you're not having <laughs> sex because that's the only reason you could ever end up having you know a, any type of pain so yeah it's just but you know but people loosen up baby yeah It'll exactly be fine. and it's just interesting <laughs> too because when i read some of these articles i was like surprised to see some of them were being written by women which i found kind of surprising but maybe i shouldn't be i'm not sure but um wah, wah. you know it was yeah. it was interesting cuz yeah i just was like who's writing you know like some guys trying to get like some girl to have sex with him by coming up with this theory um, yeah is yeah. what kind of is what I kind of went to when I first read the first article but then I saw so many of them that I was like oh I'm like there's just this misconception of this being a thing and that not having sex can cause this and it's just so made me kind of sad because I see so many women coming in who aren't having sex because it's painful and so I'm like they would read this if I was them I would read this and be just so upset because it's kind of making it sound like I've caused this to happen to myself in a weird way. Right. That, um, yeah. And that it's all in your head. Yeah, exactly. And it's not. So yeah, that's, that's definitely been a big, a big one that's come out recently in the last couple of months. Um, it definitely was like a bigger, it was talked about a lot back in the day with the sex in the city episode where Charlotte gets diagnosed with a depressed vagina um so it just was interesting to see it popping back up yeah um so many years later well sex in the city is such an an excellent source of medical advice correct i think Uh, a lot of people probably feel betrayed that Mm -hmm. uh that they let them down this time yeah um oh speaking of excellent sources of medical advice Mm -hmm. uh the goop jade egg yeah uh, yeah. Yeah. I would love I, to hear your thoughts yeah. on, on that one. Yeah. It's funny. I've gotten asked about that a lot recently. Um, and my my thoughts on it are kind of the same for a lot of things that I don't really I don't really know why someone would use one. Um so that's kind of the first thing I'm always like, want to know is like, well, why, what, what makes you want to use it? Like, why are you wanting to use it? And, you know, if the answer is like, well, cause this magazine told me to, it's kind of like, well, maybe that's probably not the best reason to do something. Um, yeah. It's kind of, and I'm like, you don't really need to be putting something that heavy into your vagina. Um, yeah. I don't really see the, the medical or the health benefit to it. But if someone was really adamant and they really wanted to do it, you know, I guess I just would say be careful and probably not to like walk around with it because that's so much weight and load on these little muscles. (laughs) And it just doesn't seem like the best um, thing for your pelvic floor. Um, But in general, I would just want to know, you know, to have someone think about like their reasoning why they want to use it and why they think it might be beneficial um, and to maybe, and probably talk to their provider or talk to a healthcare practitioner before they use it. Um, And especially if someone's having pain or any type of like urinary bowel or sexual dysfunction, I would not use something like that until I see um, someone like me or their doctor 
but probably if they're having symptoms like that, they shouldn't be probably using it would be my recommendation. That's kind of my, my thoughts. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't just find something else to do with your $75. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Again, I'm like, I just don't, I, I guess I, I don't know enough about the purpose of using it and I don't know. I can't think of why I would ever recommend having someone use it, but it, it seems like it feeds into this whole like recurring theme of like, like vagina as a steel trap, Mm -hmm. like the vagina of a 16 year old. And like the sense that after you have kids, I think there's a pretty prevailing myth that, like your vagina is less appealing mm-hmm. somehow, like after a kid comes out of it, yeah. Um, which is just so gross and mm. weird and sad. Um, and I wish that one would just die a swift mm-hmm. death. Yeah, I definitely have people bring that up all the time. Um, that they're like, my vagina is now broken. I hear that a ton. That they have a broken vagina and uh, it's bad now and like they don't want anyone to see them and yeah it's inter- it's it's sad that Ugh. that's become like a an ex- like a norm and and then that, that and then that kind of like you said kind of causes these products to be developed to fix that cuz then it instills this idea well then that's a problem and it becomes this kind of like feedback loop so yeah i i, I can see how that yeah, that's definitely become yeah um, issue, which is very unfortunate. Yeah. So women of the world look for medical resources and <laughs> um and maybe stop asking Gwyneth whether um your genitals are up to snuff. Yeah. Uh, and start yeah. thinking about like your quality of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, kind of like who you're getting your information from. I mean uh, I mean, I'm not, sh- I don't know enough about Gwyneth Paltrow's background, but I mean, I think if she was giving acting advice, sure. Like, I think that would make <laughs> sense. Um, but I'm not sure what else she has done or studied to like allow her to give so much advice regarding um, vaginal health. But, you know, just being like cognizant that I don't think, I don't know enough about her background to be able to say like she should be giving that kind of advice. Yeah. But my, my gut it's, says she, I don't think Probably she. a solid <laughs> assumption that she is not secretly a pelvic floor or physical therapist. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> that would be really impressive, like along yeah. with the cookbooks and like the yeah. pizza oven in her backyard. She was yeah. also getting this degree. Yeah, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> I, again, like I appreciate people trying to like dispel taboos and have conversations about topics that make people uncomfortable. But when you're giving a lot of advice like that, you know, I just think as someone reading that kind of advice, I would be, I would be um, skeptical. Uh, And on that note, (laughs) everything comes back to goop. Um, (laughs) Thank you so much for, for taking the time out to talk to us, Rachel. And um, I just want to do a quick, 
quick pitch for the Public Health and Rehabilitation Center in San Francisco. Even if you don't live in the area, um, you can go to pelvicpainrehab.com and their blog is fantastic. They're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, the whole shebang. Um, and it really like, it's the most comforting resources of information that I've found certainly. Um, and you don't instill terror (laughs) in those who visit your sites. And we really, really appreciate that. Oh, good. Maybe we'll have to kind of step it up for Halloween coming up. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can make things a little more spooky. Definitely. Just to kind of fit in, fit in with the times and everyone else. But. You, can, you can turn the office into like a haunted vulva. Ooh, that's a great, a great idea, actually. Um, I will pitch that. To, Excellent. To the Excellent. Consumers. No need to give me credit. That one's oh, free. Well. Okay, thank you. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Hey, Mamas. Did you like the show? We hope you did. And if you did, please go to Apple Podcasts right now and give us a five-star review. And give us a like on Facebook or follow us on Twitter, all at GoHeadMama. Check out our website, www.goheadmama.com, for all the things that we're thinking in our head but haven't said in our podcast. And if there's anything that we can be doing better or topics that you'd like to hear, give us an email at letstalkmamacita at gmail.com. We can't wait to hear from you, mamas. Love yourself. <laughs>